Hi, and welcome to the Unplugged Debate. On this podcast, we delve into the ideas surrounding human interaction with both nature and technology, talking to people about their time in the outdoors, starting from when they were younger all the way through to present day, developing a picture on who and what motivates them to be outside and why they do the things they do in the outdoors, crossing over into talking about their technology usage and how that's changed throughout their life, and speaking to them about the different types of technology they use on a day-to-day basis, from their mobile phones to their running shoes. Once we've developed a good picture of them, we incorporate that into how they think technology has changed their outlook on life and their time in the outdoors. And finishing with how they think technological development has changed society on a wider scale. So hello and welcome. On today's episode, we have Bea Dawkins. Um, she is a doctorate in music composition, but loves the uh, more weird sounds that she can make with music. Uh, she is a freelancer, um, a freelancing music. Help me out here, B. <laughs> um, a freelancing. Uh... Composer, musician, composer. I write music, composer. yeah. That's perfect. Mm-hmm. You also work as a community development officer, so running a community centre in Aberdeen. Mm-hmm. Um, and you also are a teaching assistant at the University of Aberdeen, is that correct? I am indeed, that's correct. Perfect. And but notable things that you've done in the outdoors, um, you've uh, run a marathon. Yep. It's a pretty <laughs> astounding effort for most people. And um, but you also like to head to the gym and used to play squash a lot as well. So yeah, as I, as I said to you in the build up to this, you are the uh, most technologically advanced person that I've spoken to thus far. So <laughs> seeing as mm. seeing as everything that you do is based around using technology, pretty much, yeah, pretty much, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you, thank you for agreeing to do this, and uh, we'll we'll get into it. No problem. So, thank you for interviewing me. Oh yeah. Well, you know, it's the diff- most difficult part trying to find people. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, we've introduced you. Said about what you work as. So, um, we'll just delve into that a little bit uh, before we head into any of the questions. Um, what does it take to get a doctorate in music composition? Talk me oh. through that. Oh well, for one, people think you have to be stupidly smart. Yeah. Uh, which, which I'm I'm not uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think the big thing you need if you're gonna take anything to such an advanced level is just like a real passion and a real interest in it like you can't stick at anything for that length of time unless you're like really really interested in it and your interest yeah. will carry you through the whole process um, so yeah you don't need to be anything special you just need to really have a, an interest and a passion and you can do it Sure. Yeah, and and I mean music composition. Um, just to talk me talk me through that. We've gone through the doctorate bit. Just what do, what is the course and what is music composition? Oh, what is music composition? Well, 
uh oh you put me on the spot now i can tell you about the kind of music that i write um because yeah, I, I do um i firmly believe that variety is a spice of life mm -hmm. and so i have always found it really tricky to pin down uh, my own unique style if you like uh, because i jump around and i do a bit of this and i do a bit of that and uh, just kind of hop all over the place but for the past few years I've been mostly looking into experimental sound art so the best way I can think to describe that is um, you know how you get like museums of modern art and they've got all these like sculptures and they're very conceptual and oh, what's this meant to represent what's this about what's you know what's the meaning I do like that kind of stuff but it's mm -hmm. with sound and the whole idea is that all sound it doesn't have to come from an instrument or be written down on paper or whatever all sound has the capacity to be musical if you approach it and treat it in the right way so yeah, yeah i do a lot of experimental stuff and then over lockdown i've been kind of like crawling back into my comfort zone a little bit mm -hmm. <laughs> and i've been uh just writing some like electro pop stuff just for a bit of a change so that's been like nice and fun and no pressure yeah no pressure yeah yeah i mean i'm not getting graded on it so it makes a nice change <laughs> well i'm sure i'm sure that brings a, a level of enjoyment back into it mm -hmm. um i mean that, that that's interesting and i might i might talk about that in a bit once we start going into things because obviously it's more a case of what you're saying there is that you're um you're finding the beauty and and um tranquility in what in the sounds that you can have in the real world and how you can manipulate it to show art and how beautiful it is kind of absolutely thing. absolutely I mean, cor yes. correct me if i'm wrong on my assumptions but no you're absolutely spot on yeah um and, and you know it's a, a lot of what i'm talking about is um human beings trying to find the beauty in nature and is what we evolved in and things like that and there's so many health benefits for being out in nature and it's talking about the beauty so the way you talk about music is sort of the way I would talk about being out in a woodland or mm. you know off on an adventure or something like that you know yeah absolutely because there's this whole branch of um there's this whole branch of sound art uh in like soundscape composition mm. and so people will go out and they'll take what's called field recording so they'll go out with a recording device into whatever environment and just stand or sit or whatever and record the sounds around them for an extended period of time and take a field mm. recording and mm. um soundscape composition you, you quite often find a lot of people who do soundscape composition do soundscapes of nature because you know it's so nice to work with obviously and um when you're obviously when you're recording sound you're kind of like whatever happens is what you record uh so there's minimal editing well there's minimal sound selection if you like when you're actually out there recording you've just got to record what's happening but then when you take it back into the studio you can say oh i want this i don't want that and you can like start crafting your sound to create a really idealist soundscape composition and then yeah. you can present that in like a a really nice accessible form that no matter where you are in the world as long as you've got speakers or headphones you can just plug in and listen to some nice tranquil sounds so yeah, nice tranquil sounds, tracks, and that's that's really interesting. So, I mean, stepping off from that, it, it, you saying you're going out and doing these field recordings, um, 
do you spend a lot of time in the outdoors then? Oh, I wish I did. I wish I did. I would say this past year has been uh, an exception. <laughs> yeah. So, but ignoring that, because I live, I live in Aberdeen, which is uh, a city in the northeast of Scotland. For mm. anyone not in the know, and I live in a top floor flat, no garden, no car. Uh, I kind of live more on the outskirts of the city, so I'm not particularly close to any valuable transport links. Um, so getting out into nature particularly like getting out into the city is easy but getting out into nature is like stupidly hard even though Aberdeen is surrounded by obviously Aberdeenshire which has so many picturesque and beautiful locations but getting getting out there when you don't drive is yeah it's a nightmare it's it's a real nightmare and I think if I did drive and I think if I could get out into the countryside I would be out there damn near every other day but <laughs> yeah, I can't. So um, when I do, when I make my compositions and I take field recordings quite often, I'm like going to parks in the city or I'm going to like really busy spots and I'm getting the sound of traffic or, um, you know, Aberdeen has a really nice beach, but the beach isn't exactly, you know, secluded or quiet. So, the, you know, you get all the hustle and bustle of the traffic and things like that. So, um, yeah, I find it really difficult to get out and record in nature, but I have done it. I have done it. <laughs> well, no, but that, I mean, that's good. Um, it's quite um, an interesting way of doing it. And I say if you like, because you, you say you don't drive, so you would be out and about driving around and stuff, trying to get out into nature. And I assume you, you take your technology with you if you did that. To try oh yeah yeah if I if I were going out to do a field recording I would be taking well I, I wouldn't take my laptop probably I'd take my phone and I'd take my big recording device and I'd take like spare batteries <laughs> I would take like spare memory cards and, and all of this stuff um yeah <laughs> it would be a whole thing would, would you ever uh like do you, would, if you had that opportunity would you leave the technology behind or would you take it with you <sighs> Oh, I mean, that's that's the dream. You know, what I would love to do and I'm far too like of an anxious person to do it. It's yeah. like just have a day where I'm like no phone, no laptop, no technology, no, no concept of time even. And mm. I would love to just go out into nature and just chill and just be there. But, you know, it's the hustle and bustle of everyday life. It's like you kind of always got to be plugged in or at least you feel like you always have to be plugged in. So I'd be yeah. worried about the emails I'm missing, the messages I'm missing, you know, if someone urgently needs to contact me. But I would love to do it. Hmm. That's the dream. <laughs> well, um, what was uh, what was your like growing up? Like where, where did you grow up and, and how did you? Um, spend time in the outdoors when you're growing up because obviously you're the same generation as I am mm -hmm. or close to it as I remember um, <laughs> you know um, did you spend a lot of time outdoors when you were growing up? Well here's the thing I don't know if you know this about me but I grew up in the middle of nowhere in the countryside really rural central belt of Scotland mm -hmm. um, so I spent loads of time outdoors because um, I didn't have any siblings uh, of course, now I've got a sister, there's a 12 and a half year age gap. But um, yeah. yeah, when I was a kid, uh, no siblings. Uh, my mom was working a lot. And so I was raised a lot by my granny. And mm -hmm. so um, and we didn't have like, we had a computer, but 
the internet kind of well for the first part of my childhood it wasn't really a thing and then we had like the horrible dial-up internet so and I never had any games consoles or anything like that so I was very much a uh, an offline uh unplugged kind of kid and I would yeah. spend a lot of time outdoors like climbing trees and we had a forest that was like about a third of a mile from the house so you know you could easily walk up to it and like take the dogs for a walk in the forest and then if you knew if you knew the right places to go you could go off the beaten track and like find a nice stream and like these little glens and stuff oh it was so nice so yeah I used to spend so much time outdoors as a kid and I think yeah. that was honestly the highlight of my childhood was spending so much time outdoors um, but when I moved to Aberdeen because I moved here when I was 18 yeah. Um, I really enjoyed it at first because there was the convenience of living in a city and having everything right on your doorstep. Mm. But then like, you know, through forever studying and forever working and that, I always found it really difficult to find the time to go back home and like visit my mom and, you know, be out in the outdoors. So yeah, I really miss it now. I mean, I still appreciate the convenience of living in a city, but I, I do really miss the outdoors. Such mm. a stark contrast. <laughs> what I have now. Uh, I mean um that's interesting. No, um I didn't know that you uh lived in the middle of nowhere in Scotland for your mm -hmm. upbringing. So that's quite that's quite amazing. So I mean because obviously I met you as um as as this uh, sort of tech genius tech <laughs> computer genius. So to find that out is very interesting. So um so what you you started saying the types of things you used to do in the outdoors was like climb trees and, and, and yeah. do the usual uh like childhood things that people think mm -hmm. that we should do today you know what did you go and like build forts just delve a little deeper into the things you used to do when you were a kid what did i do I, i'm trying to think um well i did a lot of i do a lot of exploring because i was also yeah i remember this i was also like quite an artistic kid mm -hmm. And so I used to really like drawing maps. Yeah. So like I would go off and I would explore around the forest and, you know, there's obviously all the regular like paths and stuff like that. And then I would go off and I'd be like, oh, this is over here. That's over here. Mm. This is over here. And then I'd come home and then I'd get out my crayons or whatever. And I'd draw like, like a kind of cartoony map of like what's in the forest and things like that. Uh, so that was good fun. And then on the odd occasion that I'd managed to get a friend to come out and hang out with me would usually go for like long walks more explorations mm. uh, um I don't think I remember building forts although that would have been really fun uh the, the trouble with the central belt of Scotland is it's very rainy so like you could go out and build a fort and then the rain comes along and you're like oh no oh god <laughs> gotta take it home yeah. <laughs> but yeah now most of what I did was just <laughs> going out exploring what's over here what's over there mm. yeah and climbing trees sitting in trees I don't know what I did once I got up into the tree I don't really remember that but <laughs> I think I just kind of sat around and went this is cool <laughs> this is nice it's good give you yeah. give you the world mm -hmm. so um yeah you said you said it was your grand that sort of interested you in um in being in the outdoors and obviously mm -hmm. you know you said your, your parents worked a lot and that sort of thing when you were younger so um did um so she was the big influence 
Um, and so she interested you in all of this stuff or did you sort of, it was it self-exploration? Um, probably a bit of both. I think um, in terms of my grandmother's influence, oh. I think <laughs> she um, was kind of like, God, how do I entertain this five-year-old? Like, what do I do? Like, <laughs> um so the two the two big things she liked doing she liked reading mm -hmm. so she would quite happily sit and read to me for hours on end mm -hmm. but you know sometimes you need to like be a bit more energetic but um so she like she also liked horses mm -hmm. and so she was like mad into horses and so was my mom and so we had like this makes me sound so privileged we had like <laughs> horses growing up <laughs> and they were out in the field and stuff but like maybe it's because I grew up like having those kind of things I never really I was never bothered about horses or riding a horse or it just seemed like mm. I don't know I wasn't too bothered but my granny used to love going out riding on her horse and there's like old photos of her on horses and she's riding side saddle and she got dressed up in all her finery to go out riding side saddle around the countryside <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah uh, most my time so I guess my time indoors was like quiet time, either being read to or reading myself or like drawing. And then, you know, if I wanted to ever do anything active or oh, you go outdoors for that and you just run around and be a child for a while. Yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> it's it's quite it's quite amazing. Um, and so. Um, for you to live such a, a, a childhood like that, I mean, um, there's a lot of benefits for that. There's a big movement to forest schools and things like that to get um, certainly inner city children or even children that live in a rural area uh, out and playing in the in the forest, building things, getting in the mud and that sort of thing. So um, it's actually shown to help with um, uh, development in, in social skills, uh, numeracy, literacy, all of those sorts of things. So it's, it's quite amazing. Um, so when did you sort of start to diverge from living this uh, really outdoor life and then into your current role of um, going to university and becoming a doctor in music composition? Yeah. Um, yeah. So when I was like, yeah, when I was growing up, I suppose it's the same when everyone grows up, it's all this, what do you want to be when you're older? Mm. And so like, I'd really interested myself with the arts. Uh, like I really loved drawing and painting and all stuff like that. But I also loved like playing my instruments and that. Mm -hmm. And that maybe comes from having a lack of technology growing up that I had to entertain myself somehow. And sometimes when the weather was cold or nasty, like the outdoors wasn't available. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'll just draw or I'll uh, play an instrument or whatever. And so I really enjoyed making music and being creative like that. And um, it was kind of like, well, you've got to go to university. You've got to go to university. If, you, if, you, if you've got the grades, you've got to go to university. I'll write, okay, I'll go, I'll, I'll study music then. And um, of all the universities in Scotland, the one I really wanted to go to was Aberdeen. Oh. And luckily I, I got into it. So um, I moved up here to Aberdeen and it was so exciting because it was the, the big city. Yeah. And um, yeah, it just kind of like, yeah. Um, but the thing is, like, I have I have epilepsy, so I'm not allowed to drive. 
So I've never taken a driving lesson, kind of the thought of me driving kind of scares me a little. <laughs> so, um, I mean, I could drive, you know, if, if the stars align in the right way. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, so I've always kind of been reliant on other people to get around. So living in the city uh, for the last 10 years, because I'm 28 now, um, I, yeah, I haven't really got out much at all. But and then I suppose I've never really considered myself um, that technologically minded mm. because I didn't grow up with technology really much at all. Um, but it's just kind of the things that interested me at university that I just kind of ended up like, oh, well, if you're interested in this, then you need to know how to do sound recordings. And if you're and if you're going to know how to do sound recordings, you need to know how to like mix and master in the studio. And if you're going to know how to mix and master in the studio, then you need to know how to do like a big studio setup. And if you're going to do a big studio setup, then, you know, uh, you're going to perform your music at some point and you're going to have to know how to set up for that. So um, everything just kind of snowballed. And so I, I because of the stuff I was interested in, uh, the freedom of working with like sound mm. if you like all sound as opposed to just notes on a page I like that freedom so if I wanted to work with that I kind of also needed to embrace the technology side of it so it wasn't like I never thought when I was growing up in the countryside that I wanted to be some kind of technological whiz kid <laughs> I didn't think I was ever going to work with technology technology didn't interest me at all no. and honestly it's still kind of doesn't really the technology is just kind of something I have to learn to be able to do what I love if that makes sense yeah so it's just kind of a byproduct um I mean that's 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 interesting that you say that and uh like obviously the stuff you use for your job and and when you were at uni you it sounds like you started using them as tools rather than actually mm -hmm. seeing them as a, a necessity for what you need in life um but to go alongside that, um, when you start to talk or earlier, you were speaking about uh, you couldn't like just leave your phone at home or anything like that. So you see, you see the um, technology you use for your job and, and obviously your doctorate and things like that as tools, but you still see your uh, mobile phone as this necessity that we need in, in life. So, I mean, is it a struggle for you to put down your phone? Because um, it doesn't sound like it would be a struggle for you to, with the technology you use at university. Like, yeah, I don't know. I'm a, I'm a warrior. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, man, uh, <laughs> I, I just, I worry so much. And um, I guess I just, I overthink and like, I guess having, I guess having my phone near me is just because I don't like having oh sorry I'm not articulating myself very well um yeah I hate the, the one thing I hate is like opening up my laptop and being like right how many emails do we have today and you open it up and you've got like 20 and it's like no no I don't want to go through all these whereas if I have my phone on me all the time I get a notification every time an email comes through mm -hmm. so you get this one at a time oh I can deal with them as they come through and you feel like you're on top of things whereas like if I didn't have my phone then and I went extended periods of time without getting all these notifications then at some point I know I'm gonna have to drag myself back into 
I was going to say the real world, but really the digital world and uh, open up my laptop and be bombarded with all this stuff. And so I hate the unknown of not knowing what's waiting on the other side. So I guess just having my phone on me, I get to know then and there what's going on instead of worrying about um, I, do I have a big workload ahead of me? Do I not? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I, I think it's related to workload, I think. <laughs> so if you didn't have that workload, then you you feel like you wouldn't have the phone or you wouldn't use it as much. Mm, yeah, because it is mostly the emails that stress me out. Well, I say stress me mm. out. Um, yeah, if... I guess because I've got, I'm an adult with adult responsibilities. Uh, <laughs> so um, <laughs> if I didn't have such adult responsibilities and I knew that nothing important was ever going to come my way, I would probably feel a lot more comfortable about leaving my phone at home. Mm. And the thing is, like, I know, I, I know that I'd be fine, you know, if I left my phone at home and I went out and did an adventure for the day mm. and, um, you know came home I know I'd be able to deal with you know whatever was waiting for me but yeah I just the stress and the responsibility (laughs) yeah um but that's an interesting take on it um because everyone that I've sort of spoken to so far is they've been sort of talking about uh having their phones there for like social media or being in contact with people but you're seeing it in a different way to the way they are um, where you want to be able to be in contact with your emails because you don't want to have the stress of having to answer 20 emails after being away for a day mm. you know that's that is it's an interesting take that I haven't heard um, so and the fact that you um, that if you didn't have that like the adult responsibilities I mean we're all adults now so <laughs> we all have those mm-hmm. responsibilities but um if you could take away those responsibilities for a while then you could just you wouldn't need it you don't feel like you need it so it's interesting yeah. it's interesting to, to, to think about it like that yeah i've been having a lot of conversations um lately with my flatmate and um he's been he's been stressed out recently because he feels like he's not being productive enough. He feels like every day he needs to be productive. Mm -hmm. And I'm saying, well, you know, sometimes you need to recharge in order to be productive. Like you can't just keep going infinitely. You need to stop and recharge. But then like, it's this, like you can have relaxation time where you're kicking back and playing games or whatever. But if you're not like, if it's not, guilt-free relaxation time then you're not really relaxing and I think that's something that perhaps a lot of people of our generation really struggle with is this idea of guilt-free relaxation time because you feel you know you always need to be productive if you're awake then you need to be doing something useful and if you're playing games or you know chilling back then you're just wasting time and you feel bad for it so then you're not really relaxing but then you can't justify relaxing for longer because there's too many things that need done and yeah Yeah. (laughs) it's awful um I, 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 I agree with you on that one. I, um, I, it's a case of uh, never thought of it that way either. But yeah, you're, you do wake up and you, you feel bad if you haven't achieved something for that day and you're sort of mm-hmm. like, well, why, why do you feel like that? And you're, you're quite right in, in it, it should be guilt-free relaxation. Otherwise, you're on edge when you're trying to relax and that doesn't work. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a lot of what this mindfulness um, 
movement is where you're trying to get people to feel uh, fill their head with sort of the present and nothingness um, to, mm-hmm. to try and really hone in on being living in the present rather than living in the future and worrying about the fact that you haven't achieved anything so yeah yeah um, absolutely because the big dream for me you know if I could pick an ideal way to spend my day it would probably be leaving my phone at home going out chilling in the forest for an entire day and not feeling bad about it yeah <laughs> that would be great <laughs> I, I mean that, that's 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 what I try and focus on when I go out on on walks and things like that I mean I like to take my camera with me and take pictures I like to take my phone but also there's some, there are some times that um, I just put my phone on silent put it in my bag um, yep. you know I should really just leave it at home and sometimes I do um, and then I just go out for the walk and there are people around you um, that are taking photos all the time. And they're like, why have you not got your phone? Because like, I want to just <laughs> enjoy being out here without yeah. it yeah. and not being contactable because it's, it's mm-hmm. free, basically. Yeah, so, absolutely. Um, but you'll know that very well from your uh, your childhood and stuff. I, yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, um, we've talked a lot about... Um, about your sort of your childhood and um and the technology that you use on a day-to-day basis um you know um you sort of use it as a tool and you're trying to make sure that it's uh, you're on top of it so you don't get the stresses of of it uh-huh. <laughs> um and i mean you're using that on a daily day-to-day basis uh, just to touch on the the sort of social media side of things as well seeing as you are a freelancer and you know that's sort of where you would um put your work out for people to see uh what sort of social media do you use oh uh, well i've got facebook and i've got an instagram and i've got twitter and i've got tiktok but like i i don't like a soundcloud as well oh i do have a soundcloud (laughs) Oh, I've got a few different SoundClouds because I can't be bothered paying for a premium. <laughs> but um, yeah, I I am aware that if I want to promote my stuff and I want to promote myself as an artist, then probably the most cost-effective way to do it is to just have like a, a really strong social media presence, so posting all the time. But I cannot be bothered. Like, I just, I hate it. <laughs> Like I, I I will admit that I do mindlessly scroll through um, all the social medias and, you know, honestly, it's just a way of killing time or like switching my brain off from the real world. Um, but I just, I never feel the drive to post anything. I, like if you go off my, um, my Facebook page for my, my music stuff, B-Doc and Sonic Artist, ever because I just, I don't know I just yeah I just don't want to I can't be bothered with it It, it's not the part of creating music that interests me like the marketing side of it so and it also kind of feels a bit disingenuous when you're just going out there to be like hey look at what I've done look at all these great things I'm achieving because like life isn't like that you're not achieving 24 7 there's also a lot of like failings and struggles that everyone goes through but you don't put that on social media and um, 
I think a lot of people struggle with uh, seeing other people's highlight reels and then you compare yourself to everyone else's highlight reel and think you should be doing yep. the same. Uh, I think we're all probably guilty of it. But so, you know, I really have, uh, I just have this kind of, uh, oh, what do you call it? dissonance within myself where like I know I need to promote my music but I also don't want to be disingenuous and I don't want to create that stress for other people um you know yeah. I'm just posting my highlight reels Ugh. yeah but I mean you, you hit the nail on the head there with with the uh, social media presence and things like that um mm -hmm. and there is a big thing about um people's highlight reels mm -hmm. um there's also uh, it's also the case of how you use social media as well so if you're posting content that you want people to use or listen to or manipulate then you're actually an active user in social media so mm -hmm. that's the best way to use social media yeah to actually have a presence uh the, the mindless scrolling um is really bad um and it, and it doesn't help with anyone um there's there's studies that show more depressive symptoms the more you are a passive user so just this scrolling through so unless actually when you start to develop uh, an active use so active can be talking to friends or even putting your music out there for people to see but it's interesting that you're saying that you're you know not bothered by it you don't really <laughs> want to post on it and actually you hate the, the platform itself so you know that's that's interesting in itself so I didn't know what to expect when I came into this podcast, so yeah. <laughs> I'm, pleasant, I'm pleasantly surprised. And actually, you, you're coming up with some fantastic uh, stuff. Oh, it's all it's all stuff I've thought about quite a bit. <laughs> this kind of like, why do I always feel stressed, and why can I not leave my phone alone, and all the rest of it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, it was quite amazing that you sort of had to learn all of that. Um, stuff whilst you're at university um and there's huge amounts of techno stress for you to for you to use it must be must have felt like a bit of an overload or um like you must have felt out of your depth or, or at times trying to learn these new bits of technology oh yeah so yeah <laughs> yeah i mean sure. go, go go into a bit of detail about that you know yeah so um yeah uh i would say this is kind of like very much based on, on my own unique experiences but um, when you when you study music at Aberdeen University well at least when I was doing it there wasn't a huge focus on technology and like if you wanted to go through your entire degree and like not touch a computer at all you absolutely could but then I just happened to choose courses that had to make me engage with technology uh, <laughs> so like there's a whole software side of it and learning how to do all these complicated music programs but at least the uh, the assumption then is um, is to like you know, you they assume that you don't know anything. They assume that you've mm. never used this super high tech piece of kit before, and they do teach you it kind of like step by step, and that's fine. Um, so the undergrad wasn't so much of a problem. But then when I did my masters, because I did my masters in sonic arts, which is like. Mm -hmm specializing in sound and technology and things like that and I obviously didn't have this technological background and one of the very first modules I had to do was creative coding so like oh, wow. beyond like beyond software beyond hardware like getting in and like actually like coding stuff up in like javascript and things like that and I like I could do it I I could do like 
you know the bare minimum of what people asked of me but there were mm-hmm. people I mean it was a small course there was only four of us on it and I was I think the only one there that didn't have any coding experience so everyone was off like making amazing things and then I was here like I made a box appear on the screen (laughs) (laughs) but um yeah you do just kind of like pick the bits up as you go along so it wasn't apart from that creative coding bit that I had to do it wasn't too bad but now uh now that I'm out of education and left to my own devices the onus is very much on me to keep myself up to date with the current technologies um and so I have like taught myself a few bits of software since leaving university and like but I still I always feel like because I've never considered myself a technological person I always still feel like I'm at a disadvantage like obviously the way you're talking you view me as some technological genius or whatever and I'm here like I know the bare minimum to get by <laughs> so um I still do feel like I've got loads to learn in terms of the technology around like sound sound recording and audio production and things like that but I guess like that's because there is just a lot to know and a lot to learn um yeah it's intimidating (laughs) yeah well that that's the thing um does it make you feel like uh you need to work faster to to keep up with everyone else Mm. you know does does having that technology there that you need to learn uh does it offer a sense of stress or anxiety that you've got to like learn this because you need to keep up with everyone else (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah no absolutely because um I'll I'll go to like concerts and conferences. I mean, when there's not a pandemic on, I'll I'll go to these mm-hmm. things. And at these different kind of events, you see people who specialize in like this bit of software or this piece of kit. And you're like, oh, I don't know anything about this. I feel like I'm really behind. And you'll see people who specialize in this and that. And you're like, oh, I don't know about this. I don't know about any of that. <laughs> and you just kind of feel like, super inadequate but I, ke- I keep trying to tell myself that no they this is their area of speciality this is their comfort zone my comfort zone is elsewhere like I don't mm-hmm. need to be the best at everything to be a good artist so mm. um I'm kind of it, it is it is <laughs> it's very real what you're saying um but I just I try and tell myself that I you know, if someone else is like a genius in a particular piece of software or whatever, I tell myself that that's okay. And I don't need to do the same. I can just, I'm okay where I am, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> you just, you just know that if you have problems, that's the person you'll go and talk to about. Yeah. It. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. You, you try and not let the, the, the whole use of technology and, and making sure that you're up to date on it, uh, mm-hmm. get in the way yeah yeah stress you out from time to time yeah like I've got my comfort zone and because that's my comfort zone I feel like I'm always gonna kind of be able to like keep up to date with that particular bubble of technology but Mm -hmm. um because I I think I said back at the beginning I like I'm I like doing bits of everything so I do quite often find myself using like three bits of software to create one piece and then um I'm using this piece of software for this and then this piece of hardware for that and then you see people who are like better than you are all of these things and I'm just trying to tell myself that I don't need to be the best 
like I can uh, I can be a jack of all trades master of none and that's okay <laughs> yeah exactly um I mean how do you think that this has changed as, as obviously you said that um you did the music degree and you could if you in, th in theory you could go through the whole thing and never touch a piece of technology um how do you think that's changed as you've grown up uh how do you think technology has started to affect modern society are we using technology more than, than we used to and is it a necessity now and can we could we reverse that or would we want to reverse the the progress oh. that we've, we've got Ooh, that, uh, mm, that's a very big question. Perhaps uh, I should have broken it down a little bit. Uh, it, it's a question that I could I could never pretend to have the actual answer for, but I could I mm. could speculate. Because um, yeah. obviously with all these technological advances, there's always pros and cons. And mm -hmm. so obviously we've talked a bit about the cons, say in like social media, and also the mental stress of trying to keep up with it all which is obviously rubbish, <laughs> we don't want. But then like, you know, so technology, te technology helps us to achieve great things. So I'm just trying to, trying to think about my own experience, like the things I've been able to do with technology that I wouldn't have been able to do otherwise. Um, hmm. Well, I guess like if you're wanting if you're wanting a musician's approach to it. <laughs> yeah. Um, personal, personal personal objectivity is what I'm looking for. So yeah. Well, if you if you go back in in the history of uh, music technology and like recording sound, uh, it used to be the sound recording technology such as phonographs, um, like tape recorders, like old school big real tape recorders. Um, mm -hmm. They were only accessible to like uh, big media institutions like radio, TV, um, like academic institutions and research facilities. Um, like the average person would never have uh, like recording equipment in their home. And now everyone's got, well, pretty much everyone's got a smartphone and pretty much every smartphone, well, I've, if as long as they're working properly, should be able to go out and record sound. So now I think the progress of technology has helped a lot of these things be more accessible to the everyman. And so that's like amazing, you know, the like, say if I was born 50 years or 60 years earlier, you know, I would never have had this opportunity just because of where technology was at the time. But because I was born in the 90s, um, I've been able to explore sound in this way. So, uh, yeah, just the advancements of technology, it's a double-edged sword, I guess. But yeah, there are a lot of, a lot of pros and cons. <laughs> uh. um, I mean, how, how do you feel like um, it's affected our culture and society? Ooh, well, I think definitely now we're far more connected than we've ever been. In fact, I had a conversation with um, an artist who's based in, I think he's based in Seattle from what mm. I remember. And we were doing like a, an interview thing like this over Zoom. And it was all about how the pandemic has affected, um, you know, us as artists and 
you know, what we're kind of, how we're doing, what we're doing, how we're managing to do it. And um, so now that a lot of things are being held online, for example, um, mm. he, he had a really good quote. He was like, the accessibility is a mile wide, but it's only an inch deep. And mm. I just thought that really summed it up because I, throughout this whole pandemic, I haven't felt the urge or want to go to any online concerts. And I could like, you know, loads of concerts are being held over Zoom these days. And like, mm. theoretically, I could go to concerts that are happening in Berlin and never leave my living room. You know, I could like attend all these amazing activities and events without leaving my lounge but the experience is very much watered down and yeah. not as attractive in this form I think um and now I've forgotten your original question what was your original question <laughs> <laughs> how do you how do you think that it's affected culture uh, our culture and society ah uh, yes and, uh, yeah, yeah yeah and I was yeah so I was saying that we're a lot more connected now um hmm. so I think culturally we're probably a lot more diverse now than what we've than what we've ever been just because we get to see and absorb um so many different cultures um and whether you view that as a good thing or a bad thing is probably a individual opinion um personally i think it's great and like the way we can educate ourselves better because i i love um <laughs> whenever i have a, a question these days like ye yesterday i was like what what are the exact differences between a banana and a plantain <laughs> other than like you know taste like is there is there like a different and so I just went on google and I looked it up and suddenly I'm an expert in the differences between bananas and plantains <laughs> so like and say like 30 years ago if I wanted to know the exact differences between bananas and plantains I would have to walk down to the local library and harass the librarian do you have any literature on plantains <laughs> whereas now it's all at our fingertips so you know the our capacity for no not our capacity our um a, oh what's the word uh our opportunities for learning are a lot broader, a lot more diverse. Like everything is at our fingertips, which is fantastic because like, I really think that knowledge and education is like so, so important. Like ignorance is not a good thing. Like you should really try to know as much about your world as possible in order to you know, appreciate it and you know, empathize with others. That's interesting you say that. I've got two two questions that I'd like to ask. You said that you could do a lot of those online events, mm -hmm. but it, it feels different. Um, like it, just explain what you mean by it feels different, because obviously mm -hmm. an online event, you can be there, you can mm -hmm. see it all happening, but it's it feels different. Yeah. Just go into go into a little bit of detail on that. Yeah. Yeah. So here's my here's my theory. Obviously, I don't know, but here's my theory mm -hmm. is that um, so when we're in a room with someone, so say you're at a concert and you're in the audience and there's like loads of people around you and you've got the performers on a stage, there's mm -hmm. like this connected empathy between everyone in the room. So the focus is on the performer and they're there like like doing their performance and the audience feeds off the kind of energy that the performer is giving so if they're kind of 
stood there like a like a statue not really doing much the audience is kind of going to be similar but if the performer is jumping around the stage having like a fantastic time then the energy in the audience is going to be similar because we're all empathizing with each other and so if you're there in the audience and everyone is jumping around and having a great time you're going to be far more likely to jump around and have a great time and it's amazing but if you're sat in your lounge even if the person on the other side of the screen is jumping around and having a great time it's kind of hard to have that connection with them because one they're not there with you and two you're in a room by yourself or like your dog's just snoozing on the couch and now is not the time to be jumping around like an idiot uh, <laughs> so like the experience is very very different and there's not that same empathetic connection I think yeah it's, that, you, you call that the atmosphere wouldn't you the atmosphere, yes. Empathetic connection yeah. or atmosphere. <laughs> Empathetic connection is the atmosphere that you feel when you go there. Mm -hmm. um, and and that's a lot of, to do with uh, human beings being social animals and a need for being part of a group and being yes. in, yes. you know, everyone having a common interest and mm. that sort of thing. So yeah, I hadn't thought um, about it in that way, but yeah, that, that does make a lot of sense, yes. Well, that's what that's why I picked up on it, and I wanted to ask you what what you meant by that, because um, it is great that we have that ability to go to these online gigs and things like that. And if you're gonna if you got if you're gonna miss it, you can then rewatch it and things mm -hmm. like that. But it, it always feels different if you rewatch it if you're sitting in your couch and yeah. you can't be part of it. I I know that like the gigs I used to go to and things like that, they were fantastic, um, and like going to festivals the atmosphere there, everyone was getting involved and they were all jumping around. But then I remember watching some of them on TV and you'd be sitting in your living room and be like, yeah, the music's great, but I could literally go and do that on YouTube if I wanted to, you know? Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. It's not it's the interesting. same. Yeah. It's not the same, not at all. Um, and then also the, the, the same thing about the, um, the Googling of things, um, you know, great, <laughs> it's a great uh, tool that we have and we we don't have to remember as much and we don't have to research as hard um it, it's kind of, it's it's called a second brain so before we had like google and, and being able to search things up you'd have to write things down a lot more uh you, you like yeah, your phone book yeah. and things like that and that's what we would use as our second brain but our our phones these days are our second mm -hmm. brains um so yeah, that's actually really interesting that you you mentioned that because in music history there's this whole thing of before we kind of had a standardized way of writing things down or maybe not a standardized way of writing things down but a way you know when like printing things out and books weren't as common and things like that mm -hmm. um pieces of music used to have to you just had to remember them and know them you know and so and you no know, music notation was intended just as a way to like jog your memory it wasn't like modern music notation is very much play exactly as it is on the page and you will play it right whereas old style uh, like medieval kind of music notation was kind of like here's a rough idea like you know how to do it just just go and do it and it was very much based mm -hmm. on our memory and so I remember learning about this in my undergrad um, where our musical memory is just absolutely nothing like it was before like we used to have like human beings used to have such a good memory for all things not just music um and now our memory is not as good because you know we've been able to write things down 
And now, as you're saying, we're, we've reached the next step, whereas we can just look things up. We don't even need to go and write it down. Yeah, mm. that's very interesting. I mean, you've got to think about when was the last time you looked something up that wasn't involving a piece of technology? Mm, I don't know. Because <laughs> exactly. even like if I was going to, if I was going to look something up in a book, chances are I would have used like Amazon or something like that to buy that book in the first place. Exactly. <laughs> you don't, you yeah. don't, it's, it's, mm. it's the accessibility. And you're quite correct in that um, it's a great source, great tool for education, but also a lot of a great tool for mis miseducation and misinformation. Yes. because there's so uh -huh. much out there it's you've got it's picking and choosing the bits of information that you you deem as mm -hmm. factual so um yeah um i i like to finish off the um the podcast with a with sort of a, a little a little question for you if you had the opportunity um to sort of go out for a year they live completely off the grid like no phones no technology um and it sounds a bit like your childhood but uh, like no running water and that sort of thing so you'd have to do everything back to basics and you could pick and choose wherever you wanted to go would you do it and where would you go oh that's a really good question i mean you can see me i'm smiling away i love that idea because yeah. that sounds so cool because <laughs> I love watching, I get caught up in these YouTube videos of um, the, the channel I watch called Primitive Technology, where this guy, yeah. I think he's in, I, I think he's in the, somewhere in Australia, I think. And he just basically builds his own mud huts and things like that. And that's mm -hmm. just so cool. And I really wish I could do something like that. Um, yeah. So yes, I would absolutely do it. Where would I do it though? I've never thought about that because like, you need to take into consideration the weather and the climate and for me I need to make sure that there aren't any spiders or beasties around because <laughs> <laughs> I don't do well with spiders and beasties um hmm, I don't know we'll say somewhere in France that sounds nice and warm yeah. but not too warm okay. well yeah we'll go somewhere in France <laughs> Okay. Yeah. And so, so you would do it. You would, you definitely would. go and do a three year, just off the grid, just yes. back to basics and, yeah. and you would do it somewhere in France. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm open to locations, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's an idea. Uh, but that's cool. No. Um, it's interesting. Every time I ask that question, you get, um, I've had a different response. Have uh, you ever like, had anyone what, say no? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Um, my previous uh, uh, Sam, one of my previous uh, guests, he he turned around and said no. He said oh. he kind of did that when we went sledding together uh, for uh, a winter season. Um, mm. It was kind of going back to basics and being away, but we still had technology and stuff out there. Um, but he said he wasn't interested in it, so he was Fair the enough. first person to turn around and say no. But um i mean a lot of our conversation we spoke about um, your time in the outdoors and that sort of thing but um we we, we really divulged a lot on technology and, and mm. your uses because it's such a big part of your life um and i'm glad we touched on the the outdoor stuff um and i mean we got we got pretty in depth with that which is good and then um but 
the technology stuff has been quite quite an insight. Yeah, <laughs> a good point of view. So it's a oh, good perspective thank you. on it. So yeah, it's been good chat. Yeah, it's been lovely. So well, thank you very much for coming on. No, oh, thank you, Greg. This has been fun. Yeah, certainly has. Thanks for joining me on this week's Unplugged Debate with B. Dawkins. Next week, we have Wilson McKenzie giving his perspective on the Unplugged Debate. So until then, thanks for listening. See you soon.